Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Uh, it's great to be here with all of you. Uh, if you are a guest, I want to give you a warm welcome. We're so glad you're here. Uh, those of you watching online, glad that you are tuned in with us as well as we gather together to celebrate what this day is all about, the, the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ and what that means uh, for our lives. Uh, there's a lot of things I love about Easter, a lot of things I love about this time of year. Um, you know, it's fun just hanging out with family. Um, I love the Easter egg hunts. I do doing that uh, with, with my kids and all that. Uh, and then there's, of course, there's the Easter bunny. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm not exactly sure what the Easter bunny has to do with Easter, okay? Um, and why it lays eggs, I have not figured that one out. Um, in fact, I have a bunny, and, and I would tell you if it comes out of the backside of a bunny, don't eat it. Okay, just a little free advice for you all. Um, there's a lot of fun things, right, that we love about Easter, but, but this morning is an opportunity for us to be reminded what Easter is ultimately primarily about. It is about the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died on a Friday but on Sunday was walking around again, teaching, giving hope, and encouraging his disciples and others again. And by the way, there's a lot of, lot of evidence for that. You know, sometimes we can wonder, is this, is this all real? Is this just a way to make ourselves feel better uh, about ourselves? Is this just uh, wishful thinking? So much evidence for the resurrection. Um, one being, uh, that stands out to me, all of the disciples... All of them. Uh, John was the only one. He was exiled on an island uh, in prison there. But the rest all died for their faith. And I mean, these were men like you and me, afraid, fearful, uh, especially after the crucifixion. And yet something changed in these men uh, to where these, these men are now uh, were, were found out on the streets telling people about this Jesus to the point this small band of disciples uh, grew into what became the church which eventually took over the Roman Empire and is what it is today. And you say, how did something like that ha happen? How did the church get off the ground, especially such a hostile environment? Friends, I'm telling you, um, people experienced the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul says there were over 500 eyewitnesses of, of the resurrection. And it changed people's lives, and it's still changing people's lives today. It has so many implications for you and me Today. And one of those implications, one of the things that is true for us, if Jesus was raised from the dead, it means you and I can live our lives with a, an incredible, supernatural peace. And that's what God wants for every single one, one of us. He wants us to live lives at peace. Peace in our hearts. When I was in college, a roommate invited me to go rock climbing uh, with him. I had never gone rock climbing before, but I said yes. And so we went up to Taylor's Falls. And in my head, I was picturing, you know, starting at the base of like one of the cliffs there. And then at my own pace, sort of working myself up. And if I got scared, right, I could come back down at any time. But that's not how it, it works. We show up. And he starts tying the rope around this tree that half the roots are sticking out of the ground. 
Then he wraps it around his waist and ties it into my harness, into this thing called a carabiner. Those of you who rock climb, you know what I'm talking about, a carabiner? What am I talking about? None of you rock climb. You don't have any idea. None of you would do this. Um, and, and so I, I, I'm at the top of this cliff when he says, okay, now what I want you to do is back up and lean over the edge of this cliff. And, and, and as I'm doing that and walking back to lean over this, I, I, this, this visual pops into my head, something I saw him doing the, the night before. The night before he was working on tying knots, because apparently that's what rock climbers do. They, they tie knots, and knots are very important, as you can imagine, holding everything together. And I'm seeing him work through this booklet on how to tie knots when I remember the night before watching him work on one of these knots when he's like... And clearly the knot didn't work, and I don't know why this didn't register you know, the day before, but there I am being held up by nothing but a rope around a roommate whose GPA I was not so sure about with the end of this rope attached to a tree, half the roots sticking out of the ground. And I got to tell you, friends, as I leaned over and looked down over this 60, 70 foot tall cliff, uh, fear struck. A panic in me struck, an anxiety, a worry, call it what you want, um, but it, it, was, it was very, very real. And then I had to repel down this cliffside all the way to the bottom, and if I were to tell you, it was not fun. <laughs> it was terrifying. But honestly, I have found that life itself can be more terrifying than that. There are things that we battle and go through in life that can be more terrifying than standing over a 70-foot cliff trusting nothing but a rope. Today we battle all kinds of different fears. Uh, we see it when we turn on the news and the things happening across the world, things happening right here in, in, in the U.S., things happening in our culture can strike fear in us. Some of us, it's job situations and job security issues and things like that can just strike so much fear in us at times. Relationships. Trying to raise kids in today's culture can be a terrifying thing to do as, as a parent. And all this can lead to worry and stress and anxiety. But here's the thing. Jesus is constantly wanting to teach his disciples, and he wants to teach you and me today. It's how to have peace right in the middle of our fear. That when the world even is falling to pieces, you and I can have this supernatural peace in, in the middle of whatever we're afraid of. Something he's trying to teach his disciples over and over again. This word that Jesus uses uh, in the Greek, it's, it's the Greek word arene, and, and it, it's the idea of it means calm, uh, tranquility, it's an internal Peace, not external. Externally, things can be chaotic and not, not going right. But internally, we're tranquil. It, it, it's rooted in this idea that everything is going to, to work out. And, and it's something Jesus is constantly trying to preach to his disciples, and, and it's what he wants you and I to experience today. In fact, one of the well-known stories of this is when Jesus takes his disciples out on a boat and they're in the middle of, 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 of this raging storm that hits. And, and many of the disciples are dis, uh, fishermen. So this is one of their worst fears come true, being caught in the middle of the storm out at sea. 
And uh, they're, they're, of course, having visions of being capsized and drowning in the waters. And Jesus, we're told he's asleep on the boat. You want a picture of peace in the middle of the storm. Jesus is there sleeping on the boat. And you actually kind of get this idea that when the disciples wake him up, he's kind of a little crabby about it. Like, why did you wake me up? But then in the middle of the storm, what does he say? Peace. Be still. He's not just talking to the storm. He's talking to his, his disciples. And he's talking to you and me today. And then he says that line, that's, right? We've, we've all probably heard at one point or another. Oh, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Don't you realize who's in your boat? Don't you realize who is with you? Oh, you of little faith. Over and over again, Jesus is trying to teach peace in the midst of our fear so that when everyone else is panicking, you and I have peace. Okay? The disciples at, at some point begin to believe, and, and they begin to build some confidence in, in Christ being with them. And we see that they, they take on even some supernatural abilities and begin to be able to heal some people. They begin casting out unclean spirits in people and seeing lives transformed and eternally changed. And everything's going so great when fear strikes again. Judas, one of the 12 disciples, betrays Jesus and uh, gives away his location to the authorities. And Jesus is arrested. And after undergoing a corrupt trial, the disciples see Jesus hanging on a cross, nailed to a cross, crucified by the Roman authorities. Just when they had gotten their hopes up, just when they started to believe, fear strikes. We read about this in, in John 19. It says, the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. In Latin, it's Calvary. And there they crucified him. And with him, two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign. I want you to note this, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in three languages, Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. And this is important. Where, where Golgotha was, where Calvary was, it was on the main road that led in and out of Jerusalem. And so the Romans did this intentionally. They, they, they crucified people in an intentional spot so that as many people as possible would see this. And it was a way of striking fear into the people who witnessed such a gruesome act, someone being crucified. Isn't that what that, the world wants to do to us, to strike fear? Strike fear into our hearts. And I just want to take a time out here and just ask you this question. What do you do when fear strikes? What do you do when your peace is shattered? I know what I do. Okay, I lose my mind and I panic and I grow anxious. I start worrying. I lose my happiness and my joy. Fear robs us 
full happiness and joy. And if I were to be honest, I begin taking it out on other people. Just ask my wife. In fact, um, not too long ago, I had a meeting I had to be at. And I'm telling you, this was like the meeting. It felt at the time like this was the meeting of my life. And I had to be at this meeting. And I needed my cell phone because I actually had things on my cell phone I needed to use for this meeting. And I couldn't find my cell phone. And so I start yelling, Danielle, who took my cell phone? I'm late to this meeting. My life is on the line. Which one of you took my cell phone? And then Danielle, you know, does the thing. She calls my cell phone. And it starts ringing right in my pocket. (laughs) And it dawns on me. Somehow, Danielle was able to sneak my cell phone back into my pocket (laughs) without my noticing. No, I had put it in my pocket. And I lost my mind, and everybody paid for it. It's amazing what fear does to us. And maybe you're a person who experiences that, that fear, and, and, and it's hard to have peace. I just want you to know you're not alone. We're all in that struggle together, including the 12 disciples, including the, the disciples. They're, they're constantly having to learn um, how to battle their fear, and we know they're afraid after the crucifixion. The Bible is very clear about this. John 20, we read, on the evening of that first day of the week, so this is Sunday, when the disciples were together, With the doors locked, why? For fear. Fear of the Jewish authority. They thought they were going to be next. They just saw Jesus get crucified. They thought they were next, and they are afraid. They don't have any peace. They don't have any joy. But Jesus isn't done teaching his disciples. And he's not done teaching you and me today. We read on, Jesus came, and he stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. Of all the things that Jesus could have said in that moment, revealing himself after his death to his disciples, what does he say? Peace. Guys, this is what I've been trying to teach you, how to have peace in the midst of your fear. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. It's a way of saying, guys, it's really me. I told you. If you trust me, it's all going to work out in the end. And the disciples, they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus says it. He says it twice. Peace be with you. And that's what he wants to say to you today. Peace be with you. Maybe some of us are here and we wonder, how is that possible and, 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 and how does the resurrection, what we're celebrating today, help me to really walk in this peace that you're talking about, a kind of peace that when everyone else is panicking, I'm not. Even when the world around me is falling to pieces, I have peace. I just want to give you a couple reasons we can have this peace. And the first is this, it, it's because you're not alone. And that's what the resurrection reminds us of. Death itself didn't stop Jesus from being with us. In fact, just before Jesus uh, is about to ascend into heaven, where he is today, alive, physically, sitting next to the, to the Father, 
the right hand of the Father. He says this to his disciples, and he's actually talking to us as well. He says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So he's talking to us right now. He says, to the very end of the age, I'm with my disciples. I'm with those who are mine. And this past week, I found myself thinking about the tomb where Jesus was crucified, and I found myself doing a little research on the stone that um, was, was used to, clo- to seal the tombs. And we've, archaeologists have found these tombs. And so we know that these stones roughly weighed anywhere between 2,000 and 4,000 pounds. Okay? They were intentionally meant so that a single person uh, could not roll um, the stone. And oftentimes they'd have to use leverage devices and things like that to move the stone. It was a lot easier to put the stone in place uh, because there would be an incline, making it a lot harder to remove. But Jesus is able to, God is able to remove that stone. He wasn't going to even let a stone that weighs between 2,000, 4,000 pounds closing the tomb get in the way of being with us, being with his disciples. We read about a door being locked. Jesus wasn't going to let a locked door get in the way of being with you and me. And death itself wasn't going to separate us from God. I mean, who can do that, friends? That's something only God can do. (laughs) Doesn't even tell us he came in through the door. We don't know. He just appears in the room to his disciples. He's there. He conquers death. Why? So that he could be with you. And yet so many of us live our lives like we're all alone and like it's all on us and like we have nobody to care for us. That's how so many of us live our lives. Jesus calls this the orphan mindset. In fact, before the crucifixion, he's trying to prepare his disciples and he says this to them. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. You're going to see me die, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He said, I'm going to come back to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. And he's not talking here with like our physical eyes per se, but what he's saying is you are still going to experience me in your life. You're going to experience me taking care of you, providing for you. If you have faith, you are going to see me a part of your life, even fighting battles for you that you cannot win on your own. If you have faith in me, you're going to see me in your life. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Two years ago, I thought at the time I had made the stupidest purchase um, I ever made. (sighs) My family bought a bunny. Okay, we went to the Rum River Tree Farm. They had this petting zoo there. And at this petting zoo, they had this pen, okay, more like a pit, where these bunnies and a single chicken are running around. And there's all these kids in this pit with these bunnies and chicks chasing them around, catching them, I mean, squeezing them. I, I saw one kid grab a bunny by the back of the legs, and this bunny just dragged across the floor as this kid picked it up by its back legs. The chicken was missing 80% of its feathers. And I'm pretty sure it was stress-related. To these monsters, okay, chasing these animals away. And my daughter, who has a soft heart, she saw a bunny running for its life. 
And uh, she picked it up, and she said, Dad, can we, can we keep this money? And I kid you not, they have a jar with a sign over it, written in, like, marker. It says, bunnies, $10. And you just left your cash in this bucket, and before I know it, we are driving home with a bunny. Now, I thought this bunny would come home and be so grateful be such a good pet. It was a nightmare. <laughs> Chewed through three of our phone chargers in two weeks. It did things to our carpet. I cannot say in church. Okay. And uh, very quickly, I was regretting buying this bunny. But my daughter, just soft heart, just kept taking care of this bunny. Just kept taking care of the bunny. She just kept feeding it, giving it water, gave it its space. Only pet it when, when it seemed to be okay with that. And just, it started slowly but surely warming up to our family. And it started realizing it has a caretaker. Someone who's going to care for it, not hurt it or torment it any longer. And before you know it, this bunny now lets us pick it up. And we can actually hold this bunny like a dog in our arms in fact, there's, a, there's occasions where I'm lying on the couch and the bunny will just hop up into my lap and uh, want me to pet it. And I think it's the bunny's way of saying, thank you for saving me from the pit of hell, okay? <laughs> because this bunny knows there's someone who loves it and will take care of it. And it took some time, but it is now warmed up and become a part of our family. And friends, I want you to realize that's what Jesus wants for you. So many of us, like that bunny, scared to trust, scared to just relax in the presence of Christ. But over and over, what Jesus is wanting is to I am with you. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will take care of you. You can trust me. Which brings us to the second reason uh, we can have peace because of the resurrection, because of the fact Jesus is alive. And that is, it, it all works out for us in the end. For those of us who believe, we know it's, it's all going to work out uh, for us in the end. One of the things that we do fear, and one of the things that will strike fear in us at some point in life is death itself. And, and the idea of dying and what lies beyond that and on the other side. Uh, Jesus doesn't want us living in fear of that. He said this to his disciples as well. Uh, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. So physically, even though we die, he's saying, you will live on. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die, meaning spiritually. Never die spiritually. And then he asks us this question. Do you believe this? Do you believe Jesus wants us to believe. And he's saying if we will, we don't have to fear death. We can know it's all going to work out for us in the end. Friends, this is why Jesus went to the cross. He didn't go to the cross in vain. He went into the cross to take our sin upon his body. Every bad thing that we've done because it's sin that separates us from God. It's sin that separates us from heaven. It's sin that keeps us separated. 
So Jesus comes and he takes our sin upon himself and he pays the punishment that we deserved. He takes our hell in our place. And I'm not just talking about our past sins. I'm not just talking about our future or our present sins. I'm even, I mean, this is even our future sins that, friends, we've yet to commit. Jesus is saying, I'm willing to take it all for you so that you can be with me and come back into a relationship with me and spend eternity with me. I don't want anything. I don't want a tomb getting in the way. I don't want a door getting in the way. I don't want sin getting in the way. I don't want death getting in the way. I want to be with you for all eternity. You know, many here at the church know my story and where I come from. I, I come from a place of drug addiction. In my younger years, I dropped out of high school. I was roughly 16, 17 years old. I don't know. It was kind of a blur. But something I've never told um, my church family is, is something that happened to me one night when I was doing drugs. Um, I don't know what to make of it. And I don't know if I would call it a death experience. I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, but just so you know, I'm not exaggerating. Two weeks after this experience, one of my friends did die from drugs. Shortly after that, another person who wasn't there that night ended up dying as well. And it makes me wonder um, what, what really happened to me that night. But here's what I do know. I blacked out. And I'd blacked out before, but this was different. And when I came to, it was like God gave me a glimpse of something. And what he gave me a glimpse of, if I were to be honest with you, it, it was a glimpse of hell. I didn't see anything, uh, you know, nothing like that, but I did sense something. I felt something. I experienced something in my heart. And, and here's what it felt like. It just felt like emptiness, and it felt like complete separation from God, meaning separation from everything that is good. And it struck terror in me when I came to it sobered me up enough to leave this party that I was at. And that's where I, I went home and I got on my knees that night and I said this prayer. I, I knew enough about Jesus. I just knew a little bit, but I said enough. Jesus, if you can save me from this, if you can save me from this fear in my heart, if you can save me from this life I'm living, my life is yours for the rest of my days. That was the, that was the prayer. And I don't want to make it sound like it was, a, it was easy after that or I didn't still have this fear. It took years. I, I walked in years of still feeling unworthy and like I was still going to that place I had experienced. But I started going to church and after that I went to this one-year Bible school where I would meet my wife, Danielle. It was love at first sight. And I eventually fell in love with her too. And Oh, I'm sorry. She hates that joke. She hates it, so I have to tell it. We eventually get married at what is now the University of Northwestern, St. Paul. And it's there I would start having this call to ministry to tell people about this Jesus. I started to come to grips with the fact maybe just Jesus really did love me. Maybe he really did die for my sins too. And maybe I could have some peace. three kids later and now here I am getting to preach the Easter message to you. Friends, for me, Jesus is not a story. He is not a myth. He's not something just to help us feel a little better as we make our way through life. 
Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. He has changed my life and is still teaching me peace in a world filled with fear. And I can't help but wonder how many of us today need a little peace in our life. And so if you're a believer today, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for years, but maybe you've forgotten he is with you. He will take care of you and you can trust him to do that. He's just saying, have some faith. And you can know that the best is still yet to come for your life. And it's all going to work out in the end. He wants you to have a peace. When others are panicking, you can have peace. Because he is risen. Some of you, you never made that decision. You've never invited Christ into your life. And I just asked you, what do you have to lose? (laughs) Maybe you would start having a little more peace if you gave Jesus a shot. Because I know he's alive, I know he's real, and I believe he will reveal himself to you, but you have to make a decision, just like I did 25 years ago. Jesus, save me from myself. My life is yours. That's not a decision I can make for you. That's not a decision your parents can make for you. That's a decision you have to make for yourself. And I wonder if there's any of us here today who need to make that decision so we can start experiencing the resurrected Christ and the peace he wants to teach us. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask us just, if we could just bow our heads, all of us, just bow our heads and just connect our hearts as best we can with this Jesus this morning. Some of you are out there and you're saying, yeah, I need some, <laughs> I need some peace. I need this Jesus to come into my life. I just want to ask, would you just be willing to take a step of faith? That's you, no one's looking. Would you just raise your hand? You just raise your hand. I see you, brother. Yeah, I see you. Oh, I see you back there. Yeah, I see you. I see you right in front of me there. Thank you. You can put your hands down. First off, Jesus, we know you're alive and real with us this morning. And so we just want to say thank you for what this means for all of us, the hope that we have in your name. Teach us to have the peace, this incredible supernatural peace that only you can give. We want it, and we know it's found in a relationship with you. And if you're out there today and you need to invite Christ into your heart, listen, this is something you just say in your heart. It's between you and God. You just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay the price of what I deserved. Now, Jesus, come into my life and teach me how to walk in this supernatural peace starting today. I want it. Jesus, I believe that you died and you rose again from the grave and that you can do life with me from now on. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Fill this place as we prepare our hearts to worship you. Thank you for the victory we have over sin and death knowing that the best is still yet to come for all of our lives. Yeah. We say this in all God's people said, amen.